Thank you. Good morning. If you came in, I'll just give you a little heads up. We accidentally, Merrick, we accidentally got next week's juice cups out there for, for communion. Doesn't have a cracker in them. Well, oh, there is one in here. So, so, so make sure you have some bread. There's some new ones, and they're different. Sorry. Thanks. Well, good morning again. <laughs> Open your Bibles, if you will, to, cha- to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and uh, we're going to be reading a chunk of this, so I do encourage you to open your Bibles or get your phone out, or there's a Bible in the pew in front of you so you can follow along with us in that. This is the last message in a mini-series on this chapter and these parables, and it's important for us to grasp the context of the parables in Matthew 13. This is a day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all of this happened in one day. And it's important to realize that because there's one message that is spoken through all these parables together. Uh, he taught them together because they belong together. They repeat and reinforce themes of the kingdom of heaven. So today I'm kind of batting cleanup. So you baseball fans, the bases hopefully are loaded at this point. The cleanup batter comes in and uh, hopefully hits a home run and you get a grand slam. Uh, typically it's the strongest batter that you put in that position. Our team manager, Shoeless Jace Jackson over there, he somehow chose me to do it. He should be here. Merrick should be here. Someone else should be here. So we have to trust the Lord to help us with that. So that's one way of thinking about it. Another way to think about it is uh, quilt, quilting. My wife does quilts. She makes quilts for our grandchildren. They're beautiful. And uh, if as I've observed it, there are these individual pieces that are meticulously designed so that when you put them all together, there's this beautiful pattern that flows through the quilt. And so we've looked at the pieces, those individual squares, and now today hopefully we'll be able to put that quilt together and see the overall picture that God has taught us. John Piper says this, the goal, this is not on overhead, this is not there yet, the good tidings of the preacher The peace and salvation that he publishes are boiled down to one sentence, your God reigns. Cobb Mather also applies this and he says, the great design of a Christian preacher is to restore the throne and the dominion of God in the souls of men. That's the design. And so that's exactly the goal of the preacher we will study today. That's what he had in mind, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he taught these parables, is to establish, restore the throne of God in our souls. Through these powerful parables, the Lord Jesus Christ does that. He restores the throne of God in our souls. So we're going to read Matthew 13, 1 through 53. We're going to read the whole passage. Be good for us to refresh ourselves on this. So hopefully you're there. This is God unchanging, inerrant, and sufficient word. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, well, they have closed, lest they should see. And with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn. And I would heal them. But, blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown on his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another case, 60. In another case, 30. He put another parable before them, before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest of the gathering of the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. 
he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed when a man, which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants becomes a tree, so that birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all was leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. They left the crowds and went into the house. The disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. That a man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like hidden treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. It was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? He said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. May God bless the hearing and the believing and the obeying of his word. As Jesus taught us over and over again through, through the book of Matthew, Matthew was highly skilled at how he wrote, arranging things. And Jesus, first of all, the brilliant son of man who was good, the word, is the word, taught in such a way that there is this beautiful tapestry, beautiful quilt before us that fits together in a pattern. With understanding that pattern, we realize all of these things have to hang together. And so the way that Jesus preached and that Matthew wrote, we see there's a symmetry in the parables of the kingdom. 
And we have a slide to show you how this symmetry of the parable of the kingdom work. So there are eight parables. There are four. The first four he spoke to the crowds. The second four he spoke to the disciples. But there's a correspondence between the sword of the word and the scribe. The sword of the word explains the sword of the word explains the context of the rest of the of the of the parables, and the scribe is the denouement. The scribe, the parable of the scribe explains what this all really means for us, the disciples. The weeds in the in the net are two parables that say basically the same thing, and they're paired up that way. Then you have the mustard seed and the leaven, which are two almost identical uh, parables, and the treasure and the pearl, and they correspond to each other. So Matthew's saying, here's a clue, team. This all is supposed to hang together. And it is all predictive of the work of Christ as he expands the kingdom of heaven to the world. Through these powerful parables, the Lord Jesus hides from those who reject him, but reveals to his disciples the universal reign, the mysterious nature, and the unstoppable reality of his now and coming kingdom. That's the purpose of this. And we'll review these themes that run through all the parables collectively. Then we'll land on a surprising conclusion of that little bitty parable at the end about the scribe who's trained in the, in the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Let me give you a quote from John Piper. Kingdom of heaven is how Matthew refers to it, as Jesus referred to it, as he, Jesus often did. Other places in the kingdom of God, those things are interchangeable. So what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is God's reign. His sovereign actions in the world to redeem and deliver a people, and then at a future time, finish it. And renew his people and the universe completely. The kingdom of heaven is God's reign. The sovereign action in the world to redeem and deliver a people, and then at a future time, finish it. Renew his people. And the universe completely. We'll leave it up if you're taking notes. We'll leave it up for a minute. The kingdom is not the church. The church is not the kingdom. The church is in the kingdom. The church, that kingdom is not less than the church, but it is more than the church. God acts through the church uniquely in this age, in all ages, but acts uniquely to extend the gospel and his kingdom to the world. But it's different from the church. It's more than the church. It's all of God's sovereign acts. And we see the themes of those kingdoms, four themes, through all of these parables. So we have two main points today. One is themes in, uh, themes in the parables of the kingdom of heaven. And point number two is the transforming power of the kingdom within. The point number one, the themes in the parable of the kingdom of heaven. There are four of them. The first one is, this is, a universal, this is the universal reign of the kingdom of heaven. The universal reign of the kingdom of heaven flows through all of those parables. Parable of the sower. It's by extension, but it's still there. There's this sower that's going out, and he's sowing everywhere. He's sowing on good soil. He's sowing on weeds. He's sowing on the path. He's sowing on rocky soil. And the kingdom of heaven, the word, is being sown throughout the whole world. The weeds. Jesus tells us plainly, the field is the world. Not the church. 
Some people have taught, no, you can't bring church discipline because you might take out someone who's actually, you might uproot the wheat. No, no, we're commanded in the church as well as we can to be a, a body of believers. But, but, but the world, God is interested in the whole world. And he's saying in his patience, wait, wait. Peter tells us God desires none to perish, but all will be saved. And so he is not slow in his coming in some accounts, but he's patient so that none would perish. So God says, wait, no, I have a time. There's a fullness coming, but my kingdom extends to the whole world. You see in the parable of the leaven, you have these three measures of flour. A lot of flour represents the whole world. And so there's this leaven, and eventually it works through the whole lump. It works through all of that. Someday, all the earth will have the kingdom of heaven clearly explained and revealed to them. Then there's the net. When the time has come, when the net is full, when all of past and present and future comes to an end, that right time, Jesus will take his net through the sea. The sea often represents the, the nations that are often in conflict and in turmoil, and the waves represent the nations, and God will take that one net through all the nations of the world, and all men of all time and women of all time will be gathered together and judged. So, the kingdom of heaven is spreading throughout all the earth, but it's also, as I just said, through all time. In the weeds, the grain was planted in the beginning. Jesus said, was that so from the beginning? In the beginning, Adam and Eve were planted. That was good seed. An enemy came and sowed in there. So, so that goes back to the very beginning, but he says, then at the end of, time, end of the age, those weeds are going to be burned. The kingdom of heaven expands all time and all eternity. The net, the bad fish are thrown away at the end of the age. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The second theme that is woven through these parables is the mysterious nature of the kingdom. The mysterious nature of the kingdom. The sower sows the seed. How do they grow? How does it happen? Mark 4.26 says it this way, and he said, that, he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seeds sprout and grows. He does not know how. So yeah, right, we preach the gospel, and we plant churches, and, and we share, and, yet, and that's, you know, that's what we do. We plant the seed, but how does it grow? There's this mystery. How does someone get saved? How does this happen? How does this church spring up in China that's under communist? How does, I don't know. There's a mystery. In this mystery, there's also a hiddenness. There's a hiddenness of the kingdom. You see in the mustard seed, you know, Jay's taught us the kingdom doesn't come as we expect. It's very small. It's tiny. It's at one point, all of the kingdom of God, all of God's plans for humanity were reduced down to the womb of a teenage girl in Palestine. She carried the Savior. Then there was one man, all the world, Jesus Christ. Then there were these few followers. Then there were these few churches. Then it comes to us and us, these weak, fallen, and somehow in us there's this seed. And it starts out tiny. It starts out, my life's a wreck. And it grows. There's a hiddenness to that. The leaven, the woman hides the leaven. How does that work? It's a mystery. 
but she hides that. And there's a hiddenness to that, and somehow it spreads. The treasure is hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven must be sought for. It must be acquired. I have to find it. Why is it obvious? I don't know. There's a hiddenness to it. The pearl of great price. The pearl is hidden in an oyster. So here's this animal that is ugly, that's in the water, in the mud, in the rocks. It's hard to get to. And you look at that and you think, this is disgusting. But you open it and there's this pearl. Wow. So our lives sometimes, ugly, broken, trashed, in the mud, and yet, all of a sudden, the kingdom of God comes. And I'm changed. There's a hiddenness of truth as well. Isaiah tells us God's word goes out, but there are some who indeed hear, but never understand. And those who see, but never perceive. There's awful hiddenness to God's word. Through these powerful parables, the Lord Jesus Christ hides from those who reject him, his universal reign, his mysterious nature, and the unstoppable reality of his now and coming kingdom. Jesus hides it. Disciples know that. He can hide it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Third, Jesus wants to know, and he weaves through these, there's, a, there's an imitation kingdom. He weaves through these parables, the reality of this imitation kingdom that's out there. It's Satan's competing kingdom. We see in the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown. The weeds, the weeds of the, the weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Jesus is saying, listen, there is a real personal, evil, demonic activity in the world, and its goal is to steal God's word from you. Its goal is to make you doubt, just like Satan did in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wants you to doubt God's word. He wants you to reject God's word, to question that. And he's taking wherever God's word goes, and he's making other people think it's wrong and bad. That's at work in the world, disciples. You must understand there's a personal evil in the world that is coming for you that you have to resist. But there's this other aspect of this, of this counterfeit kingdom. Satan's competing kingdom imitates the kingdom of heaven. It's often hard to tell the difference. The sower, well, there's growth. If you're, if you're standing back and you're not paying attention, you don't see what the sower's doing, you look at it and say, wait a minute, I can see... You can see some grain. I can see growth. There's, you, can't, uh, you can't tell where the rocks are, where the weeds are. You can't tell where the path is. It just looks like there's, looks like, looks like it. Looks like it's growing. Looks like it's taking root. Talked about the weeds. Yeah, the field is the world, but there's this intersection of the world with the church. There's that similarity. It's like, well... It, it looks like it's true conversion. It looks, it kind of looks like wheat, but hard, hard to tell. There's hard to know. Bible says one man's sin goes before him, another follows behind. Yeah, it's just hard to tell what's going on here. 
Yeah, he, he, he pulls up the net. It's all fish. It's all fish. It's all fish, you know? It's the same to me. How, how, how do you know which one? It's hard to tell. On this side, it's hard to tell. Thinking about the teenager, young adult who zones out during the sermon. Maybe this is you right now. You don't have to be young to zone out, but that's what I'm thinking about. How you're texting, you're surfing, or you're sitting there snickering with your friends, rolling your eyes in the faith of others, not seeking God, not really praying, not really taking private time. You're here, but maybe you had an event at a, at a youth camp and something happened, but now a couple years later, it's like, eh, hard to tell what's going on. It's hard to tell. On the other hand, maybe you have that teenager who's compliant, wants to do what's right, but it seems like they're more concerned about just fitting in, about wanting to be like, not really hungry for the word. They're not really aware of the grievousness of their sin. Much root in themselves. I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes. And then sometimes the young adults, they're more concerned about being relevant than countercultural, more invested in the American dream than advancing the kingdom. They're, they're not here that often, and they're, you know, not that interested in serving, and, you know, well, I don't know. It's hard to tell. A person of any age who doesn't love to give financially, it's the young person who says, I, you know, I don't make much money. You know, someday when I start making more money, then I'll start giving well, that person becomes later the family man who says, ah, I've got too many kids. I've got a mortgage. You don't understand. I can't, I can't give. I, yeah, I'll give a tip here. And, you know, I can't give. person who's justifying themselves by arguing how much or really how little the tithe is supposed to be in the New Testament. Oh, no, it's not really 10%. It doesn't say that. It's, you know, it could be any, as long as I'm giving. Got these other things I want to do with my money. It's kind of like the farmer, that other parable where a farmer who stored up his grain built barns, put his grain in there, and Jesus said, the, God said to him, you fool, your life is required of you tonight. Who will now receive your grain? What was his problem? Did he have grain? Did he have barns? No. The problem was he was not rich towards God. A lot more to being rich towards God than giving financially. But it's not less than that. Sometimes, hard to tell what's going on. 40-year-old mother who wants that good family, maybe a perfect family, obedient children, cares about doing the right thing, but has this kind of brittle self-righteousness, kind of looks down on everybody and, and doesn't, isn't very loving around that. It kind of Her family is her kingdom. Hard to tell sometimes. Or the dad who works all the time provide and leaves little left over, has a little left over for the kingdom of God, can't, not, not in church very much, doesn't read his word, doesn't pray much, doesn't, doesn't really do much. Ah, too busy. Ah, you don't understand how busy I am. He also is not rich towards God. It's hard to tell. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there are those 60 plus year old folks. Feels like they're trusting in their many years in the church. Maybe they've got a lot of theological knowledge, but they've kind of grown 
cold and critical. They kind of stand aloof. Rather than being a pillar in the church, they watch from the sidelines and they're disappointed. We're just not cutting it. What's going on? It's hard to tell. Hard to tell sometimes. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Number four, the fourth theme we see woven through the scriptures here, woven through these parables, is the unstoppable coming of the kingdom. The unstoppable coming of God's kingdom. Unstoppable coming of the kingdom of heaven. In two ways, what we see here, first of all, is God's kingdom is coming in judgment. Parable of the weeds, verse 41. Son of man will send his angels. And they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers breakers and throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The net, in verse 49, so will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Throw them into fiery furnace. And that place will be great. Weeping. Gnashing of teeth. These, pl- these verses are not part of the parable. They're talking about a real place fiery judgment with real weeping and anguish, with real gnashing of teeth and pain. No one talks about eternal judgment more than Jesus. Jesus describes hell as the place of outer darkness in Matthew 8. Describing the final judgment in Matthew 25, Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus describes the rich man as in anguish, in the flames. Daniel says, chapter 12, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame, and everlasting contempt. Jude describes the final judgment of the wicked as a place of gloom, not utter darkness. Revelation 20, John tells us the final judgment, the wicked will be tormented night and day forever and ever. Eternal fire, utter gloom and darkness, shame and everlasting contempt, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Oh, if you do not know Christ today, you have not repented of your sins and given your life, not trusted in his death for you. Flee from the wrath to come. 
do not wait. Do not trust that everything's going to be okay. There is a coming kingdom. It is unstoppable. It comes in judgment. Trust in God for your salvation today. The work of Christ. He who has ears, let him hear. God's kingdom is unstoppable and is coming in judgment, but it's also coming in righteousness. He says in verse 42, then when that judgment happens, then the righteous will shine like the Son, in the kingdom of their Father, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, Jesus grieves for the lost. Jesus lamented for the pain of the world, but he is unapologetically Lord of all. Listen, it may look like the bad guys are winning right now. It may look like God's reign is shrinking down just a few faithful churches in the world, but it is not so. The kingdom of God, the reign of God is secure and on track throughout all world, all the world at all time. Through these parables, Jesus declares to the world, revealing to his disciples that there is no kingdom, there's no political party, there's no philosophy, there's no educational system, there's no king, there's no president, there's nothing in the world that's going to be able to resist or retard or retreat or turn away from God's coming kingdom. It's going to happen. How do we know that? How do we know it's true? Well, it's true because God says it's true, but it's also true because you have the seed of the kingdom in you. If you have the seed of the kingdom in you and you're in the kingdom, you know. You know. You know he's coming back. You know it's going to happen. Yes, there are times when it is discouraging. We look at the world and we say, Lord, what's happening? But we, when we get in touch with the Holy Spirit and remember God's word, we know he's coming back coming back for us, coming back in his kingdom will not fail. Whatever our minds tells us sometimes, we look at the world around us, that seed within us cries out, my God reigns. My God reigns. Look, look at the parable of the sower. There is good soil. There is a harvest. It has been given to you to hear and understand, to see and perceive. Listen, you may not be bearing a hundredfold right now. You may not be bearing sixtyfold right now. But if you're in the kingdom, the kingdom is in you, you are bearing thirtyfold. 30 <laughs> you used to be cursed and worthless. Bearing only evil, now you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And you are bearing fruit. Yes, Pilar Leah, you are bearing fruit. Yes, Mike Sloop, you are bearing fruit. Yes, Pete Hubert, you are bearing fruit. Yes, Merrick Potter, you are bearing fruit. You are bearing fruit if you're in the kingdom. New believer, discouraged believer. Suffering with sin, challenged with sin, you are bearing fruit. The parable of the weeds tell you that you are growing. The wheat grows with the weeds. Yes, there are weeds around you, but you are growing. You may have little faith. Listen, just like the faith of a mustard seed. But, oh, what a mighty 
tree will grow and is growing out of that little faith that you have. If the kingdom is in you and you're in the kingdom, that word's in you, that seed is growing and you are coming to a place where you have not only strength for yourself, but refuge for others. It remains to be seen what you're going to be, but since that mustard seed is in you, your life is becoming a refuge for others. You have found the hidden treasure, which is Christ. You have found the pearl of great price, which is Christ. You were revealed to you that you are a sinner. And that miracle of miracles, Jesus died on the cross for you. You gladly confessed your sins. And you gave your whole life to Christ. So you joyfully give away your money. Right? You know how tithe share is tithe. You need some money for mission? Here's some money for missions. Need some money? Hey, brother, you're in trouble. Let me give you some money. With the poor, let me give you some money. I'm happy to give it. God, I don't care. God will supply. Beyond that, in the spirit, I'm a bazillionaire. I've, I'm rich. Here's 100,000 gospel dollars for you as well. Don't spend it all in one place. These parables teach us you are waiting, sure. The weeds are growing tall around you. You're swimming around some slimy fish. You can't see the end from here. But listen, that day is coming. You're not going to be left on the beach like a washed up fish. You will be gathered in some kind of sun-making barn that's going to make you shine like the sun. And you're actually going to be over the beach giving people suntans or something like that. That's your calling. That's why he called you. That is going to happen. Through these powerful parables, Lord Jesus Christ is revealing to us, his disciples, the universal reign, the mysterious nature, and the unstoppable reality of his coming kingdom. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, now let's look at this last little parable. The scribe who understood taught in the kingdom of heaven. Surprisingly, somehow, this little parable sums it all up. It's like it's the therefore for all of this, for the disciple. Point number two the transforming power of the kingdom within. The transforming power of the kingdom within. Let's look at. Matthew 13, verses 51 and 52 again. Jesus had explained the parables. He says to his disciples, have you understood these things? They say to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Disciples here coming to Grace Church, have you understood these things? If you've understood these things, say yes. Say it like you mean it. Yes, yes you have. Yes you do. Yes you do. It's been given to you. Paul cried out, oh, that I would know the power of his resurrection. 
God has given you the power of His resurrection, and by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, He has given you to understand these things. Jesus is saying, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. You are a master of a house. You have goods and substance enough for yourself and for others. You have a storeroom. You have a pantry. You have sides of beef hanging in the cooler. You've got 20 frozen pizzas. You've got all the pop in the world. You've got a fully stocked wine cellar, metaphorically speaking. You've got a house. You're master of a house. So you ask me, okay, but what does it mean, this thing about old, new things and old things and new things and old things? What's that mean? Let me tell you what I think. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> it probably has to do with being able to bring things out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Maybe it means you've got vast experiences in your life that you can draw from and you're having ongoing experiences with God. Whatever it means, you have all you need. You've been given a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The eyes of your heart are enlightened. You know what is the hope to which you are called. You know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, where, by the way, you're seated there as well. You are the master of a house. That house is filled with joy and peace, gladness and fullness and wisdom and grace enough for yourself and to share. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Lord, we pray you take us from glory to glory. Build your kingdom within us and through us. Lord, clarify those who are living the hard-to-tell lives. Lord, may no one leave here today without knowing their eternal state, not having the assurance of salvation. Or where you have convicted, bring change. Give us victory. Encourage us, remembering old things. In new things, strengthen your church. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.